I've got a foundational teaching here today, and I'm going to one of my favorite verses, a couple of places in uh, the New Testament, and in Titus chapter 3, and we're going to read verse 4 through 7. How many of you have heard the song Amazing Grace? Who would say that when you got saved, you were amazed by God's grace? My wife got saved when she was a little girl, about five years old. I was 16. The, I'm telling you, when I got saved, I was at home at my parents' house in California. I had been given a gospel tract that really clearly explained the divine exchange of God being in Christ, coming to rescue humanity, and it showed it in simple drawings, page per page, a little simple pamphlet that someone had given me about how in the beginning God created everything that was beautiful. He made humanity in his image, male and female, for fellowship, for connection, for fruitfulness, for purpose, and things were really glorious. But then, because human, uh, the human beings had free will and choice, God didn't want to make us pre-programmed robots. He gave us decisional abilities, and, and sadly, Adam and Eve, as you know, committed high treason, rebelled against God, and took the bait and sinned and fell short of the glory of God, and that's when everything got messed up. And in these little simple drawings, it showed a barrier between a holy God and humanity. I related to this because just a couple of weeks before this, I was in bed like this unsaved kid, calloused kid, in the Southern California context of drug, sex, rock and roll, anti-establishment kind of stuff in, in that, that particular environment where I lived. But I felt empty and I felt lost. I felt fearful and I felt like, uh, you know, concerned about where I was at. And most importantly, most importantly, I could sense that I was separated from God. Uh, as a little bitty child, I was hungry for God. I remember when I was a five-year-old walking down Galveston Street talking to God in the beautiful robin's egg blue sky of Southern California and um, really wanting to have, yearning for God, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And uh, it's funny because right after that, I was talking to God like uh, uh, in simple terms, you know, wanting to know him. You guys remember any of that when you were little? And, and, and I remember I went down into this canyon and I saw some other boys playing. So I walked down there and I was the youngest of all of them, five years old. And I got down there, and they were having a rock fight. And uh, I, I had a head the size of Charlie Brown's. It was bigger then than it is now, actually. And I popped it up over the bushes, and one of these kids was a good shot. It hit me right over the right eye and just big, you know, opened it up. I had to get stitches. You know, when you get cuts on the face, it looks like it's the end of the world. And, uh, you know, I was bleeding all over the place. And it was kind of like a contrast between that little idyllic moment right before when I was saying, God, I want to know you and talking to him and then getting in the crossfire of a rock fight. But later on, you know, 11 years or so later, um, when I read that tract, I read basically what I want to teach to you today about God, the pure, holy, perfect, sinless one, sent his son, the pure, holy, perfect, sinless one, who became a sin substitute for us to rectify the situation, to absolve us from our guilt. And he that the sun sets free is free indeed. And at the core of Christianity and at the, the very foundation of your belief system is that when you and I and we believe on the Lord and trust him and rely upon him, 
He saves us, and that's called saving grace. Everybody say saving grace. Now, my wife talked about it when she was a little girl, and she had a touch from God as a child, and she rededicated after college. For me, I was just lost, but even as a child, I was hungry for God. I think God puts a capacity in all of us, and um, he puts a hunger in us that nothing can fulfill it or satisfy it and, uh, except Jesus, and um, it's awesome. But, but, but what I want to talk to you about is uh, not only saving grace that you're amazed by, but also sustaining grace. We could go on for a while in our walk with God, and it's crazy that we lapse into performance orientation and a works-based approach. And what I want to tell you about today is that we aren't righteous because we do right things. We do right things because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. This is a big deal. And, and I want to say it again to you. We're not righteous because we do right things. Uh, we do right things because we've been made righteous. You're going to have to get this. I'm going to drill down on this a little bit. Uh, but before I do, I want to pray uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. On this I pray, that your love, my love, our love, for God, for our neighbor, for ourselves, for, for others, may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. I mean, this has to be reality, clear as a bell, not just theoretical overphrasing today, Lord. I'm asking for a spirit of wisdom. I'm asking for a spirit of revelation to come. Before this is over today, people are going to get acutely aware of our righteousness, of, of, of the ABCs, of, of what you did to make us right with yourself. So that we may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Jesus Christ, verse 11, having been filled with what? The fruit of righteousness, which comes through whom? Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Now, did I tell you I was going to read cha Titus chapter 3? Let's go to Titus chapter 3. But while you're turning there, of course, I've got another verse I want to give you first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the hallmark of this message. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, and behold, look, pay attention, get a grasp on this. New things have come. New things have come. Say this with me. I'm a new creature from the new birth. I'm raised up to walk in newness of life. He makes all things new. Every day there's renewal. Every day there's an open field. Every day there's great potential. And then look what it says in verse 18. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. When you reconcile your bank account, when you pay off your debt load, when you, those are wonderful things. When you, when you finalize your mortgage or things like that, those are, those are breakthrough moments. Those are vistas in our lives when there's no more debt. Here's what Jesus Christ did. He took the debt out of our account, the sin out of our account, and he deposited his righteousness, that which, made, that which is right with he and God. And, he, 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 and in fact, it says it in 20 and 21. It says, namely, God was in Christ. Look, look what it says. Not counting our trespasses against us. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Look at this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Hebrews 5 says, 
that milk is for the immature, but there's meat for the mature who by reason of practice have their spiritual faculties or senses trained to discern good and evil. So I'm preaching uh, for your development. I'm preaching with, for your advancement. I'm preaching for your maturity and your growth in mind. This is fertilizer for our faith. Uh, it's one thing to be amazed by the saving grace. When I got saved, I'm so thankful. I mean, I feel like crying right now because of what Jesus, I'm in touch with that initial salvation. I remember, I felt, and I told my friend Tony Delamar, and I said, Tony, I gave my life to Jesus last night. He said, what? I said, yeah. And he said, well, I want to come. I want to come. I told my brother about it. My brother said, I want to go to church. And Tony got saved. And, but it's amazing, when he got home, his mom threw his Bible in the trash can. And, said, and it was, you know, so it's amazing. My own mom even said, I, I, she said things to me. It was like, it was crazy. But it gave me something to rebel against, you know. So... <laughs> So maybe my mom did a favor. I don't, I don't think she was intentionally doing reverse psychology. <laughs> how many of you, your testimonies? Well, well, how many of you? It's like, hallelujah. How did I get here? By the grace of God. What motivated you during a global pandemic with social distancing and all this to come find your way on a beautiful October day and spend a moment carved out at the feet of Jesus in a moment of corporate praise here in the anointed preaching of the word of God. God is at work in you. You are called to an ambassadorship. That might be a kind of technical term for you. It means that you're a forward representation. You're a carrier of the presence of God. And I got saved and I got impacted by the impact of wide awake, genuine, authentic Christians who shared boldly with me and communicated help and hope and I've never been the same since. So that was modeled to me. So that's what I want to keep pushing the repeat button on and seeing that reproduced over and over and over again fostered in this particular local church. I'm God, God called me uh, Ephesians 4. My wife and I were called to the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And it's the proper working of each individual part that causes the growth of the body and the building up of itself in love. God has an army marching through this land. Deliverance is their song. Healings in their hand. Everlasting joy. Gladness in their heart. And in this army, you and I, we have got a part. And it gets personal. It gets specific. How many of you are amazed by that initial uh, saving grace in your life? Who can tell me? You got a testimony about how the lights went on in your life. Just wave to me. Just tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about how you got saved. And be bold about it. Believe God will provide a way for you and an opportunity. Did I tell you about Titus chapter 3? Because immaturity comes when we don't understand nor are we familiar with the ABCs of man's righteousness. Righteousness is a foundational doctrine. It's the salvation. It's a, it's a theology of sal the doctrine of salvation. And I want to tell you what it is and I want to tell you what it isn't. We are not saved by works it is not performance-based. We're saved by God's mercy, by God's messenger, Jesus Christ himself alone. And we're going to see this. And if you're a note-taker, I've got some fabulous things I want to share with you. At the end of the service, we're going to receive Holy Communion together. The bread represents healing. I twisted my knee this morning, and I'm believing God for healing. And I reckon I'm taking communion three times today, so I'm going to get my triple dose. And the blood of Jesus cancels out our debt of sin. Who's glad for that? Titus chapter 3, look, I'm reading in the New American 
1995 updated. You, whatever your translation is, that'll come up on the screen. And I'll start with verse 4. It says, when the, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. You want to know what Jesus came for? He came to seek and save that which is lost and destroy the works of the devil. He said, my desire is to do the will of him that sent me. And I didn't finish if 2 Corinthians 5, 21 is my favorite. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting our trespasses against us. And he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf. So we might be made, get this, the righteousness of God in him. We've been made right with God. Righteous means I've been made right with God. The price was satisfied through the shed blood and the kindness of our Savior. Verse 5, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Who feels some relief from that verse? That is a good one, isn't it? I'll read it in the New Living Translation. Titus 3, 4 through 7. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Everybody say mercy. Now, if you've been married any length of time, you appreciate mercy, don't you? When your mate extends mercy to you, when you, you've been a jerk, you know? I've heard about this in marriage counseling, so I just am just referencing that. It's, it's vague to me. I don't personally understand that, but except 50 billion times of needing mercy from that lady over there. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth. That's saving grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How John Newton must have felt as harsh as his career was as a slave trader. The decadence of that, the evil of that, and for him to have an encounter with a Savior, for him to be forgiven. Him that's forgiven much loves much. He was so grateful. He penned one of the most powerful and prominent hymns. Not only is it in the Protestant hymnals, it's in the Catholic hymnals. It's universal. Judy Collins sang it as a pop song. I just watched Arlo Guthrie and Pete Seeger sing it at a folk festival years ago before Pete died. You know, it, it's made it into the secular world. I've heard Joan Baez sing it with conviction. But, you know, I want you, to keep, you and I to keep singing it with conviction, not just the saving grace, but the sustaining. I want to be amazed by the sustaining grace. Who's amazed that you got saved? Who would say, it's a miracle I'm here, Pastor Jeff? It is, but it's also a miracle that we're still here. He that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. And my Bible basically tells me that this gets better and better as we go. Psalm 92, some of you going through a fog right now or a difficulty, a dry patch, a cold spell in your spiritual walk, maybe a callus is formed on your life. I'm telling you, there's cleansing. There's that initial eradication of the sin condition, and then there's continual cleansing. Boy, don't you love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we as Christians, let's take a survey. How many of you, since you've been a Christian, you've sinned? Okay, but you know what? 
We are no longer slaves to sin. So what's that about? We still live in these earthly bodies and we still have flesh and we still deal with and contend with the tempter, Satan. And there, there is a myriad of stuff uh, arrayed against God's people, against the church. Yet Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I'm actually throwing fuel on your fire to understand the whole subject of righteousness. It's a, it's a gift, it's unearned, but it definitely must be received. There are people that have ignored the gift and let it sit on a shelf and collect dust. Like the, the, the person I talked to, the clerk, I said, have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord? He said, no, I have not. I thought, wow, this person knows. They're not being vague about it. I thought, good. Then they could be specific about the next thing. Let's receive Jesus. I felt that. I felt that. I thought, wow. Who's going to follow up on it? The Holy Spirit. I just sowed the seed. I watered it in prayer. Jesus' name. And great outcome. That person's going to go out with joy, be led forth in peace, and uh, great things are going to take place. Praise God for the opportunity. Praise God for the commission. See, we've gone through shaking, as humanity has gone through shaking throughout the global thing that we've been going through. But the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. He said that there will be the shakings of the heaven and earth. This denotes the removal of everything that can be shaken. Yet we, this is so great, in Hebrews chapter 12, we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now the devil will antagonize us in areas of uncertainty. And the Bible says each one is to be persuaded in his or her own mind. So the persuasion that has to come has to come from the word of God so that we will be anchored correctly and we will understand that righteousness, no, I can't earn it, I don't deserve it. It's not on the basis of deeds we've done in righteousness, but it's according to his mercy. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's so much in the word about this. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 for a moment and see what Abraham found. Because it says in the first few verses, verse 1 to 8, it says, What then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? What has he found? What did he find? Well, Abraham was justified for if Abraham was justified by works, he, was, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Abraham believed God, it says. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Put your name in there where it says Abraham and say your name and then believed God. Jeff believed God. Patsy believed God. Alex believed God. Sarah believed God. JW believed God. Mary believed God. And Ethan believed God. And what happened? It was accounted. Look what it says here. It was credited to him as righteousness. I'm not going to pretend to tell you I've got this mystery all figured out. Paul even called it the mystery of the gospel. But it's mysterious yet true nonetheless. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes and the result is righteousness. And with the mouth, miracle of miracles, confession is made and the result is salvation. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved is available for people from the birth to the grave. And that, I, you know, I don't believe in a, in a little extension of, uh, uh, it's unscriptural to think that there's an extension after that. It's appointed for a man to die once and after this comes judgment. So there's no, there's judgment there, no extension. 
in a little uh, holding pattern. I mean, there have been whole TV shows about that. But no, it's right now from, from, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Today's the day of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord. And, and here's what it says. It says, he believed God and it was credited to his account. It was credited to him as righteousness. Here's what Jesus did. He comes in, he sees our, our ATM a completely uh, uh, void, and he takes out, he takes out our debt. Um, it's, it's in the minus, and he takes out our debt, and he dumps in his righteousness. So it's almost like he stuffed cash in your account so that it's like, what happened? My account that was in the negative is now in the positive. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And when the pastor shared the public setting I was in, in the church, after I had given my life to Jesus at home, in the private privacy of my own moment, God insisted that I confess him before men. So I got a, I, after I had that encounter uh, with the gospel privately, then the Lord took me a step further and wanted me to be outed and he wanted me to be public. And if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. So I had received Jesus in my heart and had an, ex an exciting salvation experience of that saving grace. And I was amazed by it. But then God took it into another level uh, and insisted that I take a stand. And uh, God wants us, there's so many groupings and so many people outing themselves, but man, the church, we are designed to be uh, not in a bushel basket under a bed, but to be a light on a candlestick. And this is what the Lord's refining right now. He is bringing uh, a cleansing and he's caused us to go through the eye of a needle and we're coming out on the other side with the essentials. We're coming out on the other side with God, I love you for the remainder of my days. I want to honor you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love you and love my neighbor as myself. I want to walk in love. I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to hold unforgiveness. I refuse to let anything sabotage the things currently and futuristically that you have for me. I don't have any control over the past, so I'm trusting you to cover it with the shed blood that washes away my sins. And God, I thank you. On the other hand, that you have brought me into the kingdom for such a time as this. God, you have anointed me with fresh oil by the Holy Spirit. God, you are empowering me for service. And God, the next days are the best days. My God shall supply all of my needs. He's opening a door no man can shut. He's given me favor. Did I tell you I got to lead a clerk to the Lord at the mall? I didn't even know there were malls anymore. I thought it was all Amazon, you know. I found a mall out of town. And it was like old school. And I remember my brother was working in the mall up here. It's now, a, it's a ghost town now, but he was working there. I went to visit him. I just wanted to go see him and fellowship with him. Oh, he's out to lunch. He went to lunch. Oh, and so I began to talk and preach the gospel to the clerk. I was a clerk just down the hall. And so I understood that I could share a little bit, you know, and the manager, I didn't know it was the manager. Stop saying those words. Stop saying those words. And I turned, I said, well, just, I didn't know who she was. I said, just give me a second. And I just said, hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. It was very brief. I told him she could be, I told the person they could be saved. And then I said, look, I, as a courtesy, I, I didn't mean to disrupt anything. So I left. And uh, two weeks later, uh, there was a knock on my parents' door. And I opened the door, and there was a friend of mine who was actually in our wedding. 
and, uh, named Kathy, and she brought that lady. I recognized that was the lady that was a manager of the store where my brother worked. And um, Kathy said, tell them, what you, tell them what you told me. Tell them what you told me. She said, when, when you were in our, our, off in our store two weeks ago, when you, were sharing, when you were saying what you were saying, a hatred rose up in my heart. And, I, and I, I couldn't stand what you were saying, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't resist what you were saying. But I, 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 I didn't want to hear it. And, and, and see, and I thought about what I was saying. I wasn't saying, you're a sinner going to hell. You go to church because you better go to church and be self-righteous like me. I wasn't preaching that. That wasn't my message. My, I thought about it while she was talking to me. What was, what was the demon, what were the evil forces resistant of? The good news. The gospel is good news. And that's the power of God to salvation, that you can be made right with God as a gift. That's what we need to preach when you're going on the motocross tour with your kids. That's what we need to share on the culture of your office and your work. You can't always be heavy-handed with it. I didn't even think I was being heavy-handed when I went to the store to visit my brother. It was just in passing. While my wife was shopping and I talked to the clerk, uh, it, it wasn't like a big heavy, did you know that Jesus loves you? You know, I, I mean, hiking up my pants and standing there being religious? No, it wasn't anything like that. It was organic. And you know what it really was the basis of? This person was telling me all about their life, telling me about their family, coming through the pandemic, what life was like in the town and what she's been going through. I just listened and I just engaged and then I, I just brought the gospel in. I brought the gospel in because that's the most important and essential bit of information that anyone, anyone will ever know. There's a doctor back here who's delivered thousands of babies born in Turkey. And he's got to have such a skill set in the complexity of childbirth and multiple births and the variables and blood pressure and the, you know, the the umbilical cords and all that kind of stuff. It's like a, it's a very specialized field. But the best bit of knowledge that man carries is the knowledge of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what I'm trying to download in here. We're not righteous by our works. A works-based righteousness. In fact, uh, Jesus said, unless... Your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He said that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, right after the Beatitudes. And he was speaking to observant Jews who respected and esteemed the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the most scholarly. They were the most committed in the observant Jewish category. They were the cutting edge of their movement. And so the people that were living different types of levels of life, some less committed than others, were saying... It was almost like a dis disappointment. It's like, my righteousness has to be better than those guys? Well, what he was saying was, what it says in Isaiah 64, 6, all your righteousnesses, it says in the King James in plural, they're like filthy rags in God's sight. Because it, it's like, I'm trying to be saved by my works. It doesn't work. And, 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 and but... He said, it's got to exceed it. It's got to be different than that. And I want to tell you, Jesus' righteousness does exceed that. And it is different than that because it's not performance based on our performance. It's based on what he did on the cross. When he who never sinned took the sin of the human race, past, present, and future, for the joy set before him, 
He endured the cross, despised the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of God. And I'm convinced Jesus looked through the annals of time on Calvary, and maybe he saw you. Maybe he saw me. Maybe he saw that clerk at the, at the store. Maybe he saw the lady. She said, you know what? I, I told you to stop saying those words. She said, when I went home, I, it, they tormented me. I, I couldn't sleep. She said, and until finally I just... I yielded and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. And Kathy said, see, I told you, see, see. And she had gotten saved and bothered to come all the way to my parents' house, find where I live, to tell me. I mean, it was a radical time back in the 1970s. And we're in a radical time in 2021 into 2022. This is a radical moment. Radical meaning, radical by definition in the, in the dictionary is root-like. What this is a time frame situation of with the church we're getting back to our roots. And people like me, pastors like me, church members like you, people like us are going back to the basics. We're falling in love with the Word of God. We're studying to show ourselves approved unto God. We're learning how to pray and believe and receive. We're learning to walk in love. We're remembering, wait a minute, that amazing that, uh, saving grace also is on me in sustaining grace. We could get this way. Where we start getting works-oriented. Well, I'm really reading my Bible. I'm really praying. I'm, I come to church. I'm doing great. Or maybe two days ago or yesterday or this morning or on the way to church, you sinned or you messed up. Then it's like, and it's like we, we have this conditional thing going. But with God, he sees us and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all unrighteousness. I'm still in Romans 4, but I want to read Revelation 1, 5 to you. Revelation 1.5, here's what it says. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Look at this. Verse 5 goes on and says, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Now look at this. It's one of my favorite corners of the Bible. You can underline it. To him who loves us and released us from his sins, our sins, by his blood. Him who loves us and released us from our sins. By his blood. Feels good to be forgiven, doesn't it? Feels good to be accepted in the beloved. Do you hear me? That when you call upon Jesus, you are made right with him. That's what's driving you. That's what's compelling you. That's what's creating keeping power in each one of our lives. Just to tell you the truth, that's what spills out of me when I see people that are lost, coping with life, but without Jesus. And I think you've got to get Jesus central in your life. You must, he said to Nicodemus, be born again. That's that saving grace. But how about sustaining grace? I'm amazed by when a soul gets saved. But I'm amazed that a soul stays sustained. And when we cast our cares on him, the God of peace is with us. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, guards our hearts and minds in Christ. How do you think you survived and came through all the crazy stuff that's happened and has been imposed upon us the last two years? Because God is pouring out. He's able to make all grace abound to you. So you have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Kenneth Wiest in the 1940s in his translation said he has super abundant grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Meaning the sun shines more radiation than the earth can stand. That's why we have to have an ozone layer to protect it. That's why I'm so thankful that big pile high mall hair with hairspray is out of the picture now because it was poking holes in the ozone layer. Right? 
There are gigantic mall hair hairstyles that were messing with the ozone layer. Now it's fixed. Now, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you don't have to have product now? You can just go dry like a chalky like this. She, I, I got out of the house without some gel, so it, it's looking very 70s today. <clears throat> yeah. So it says here in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, I've got just a couple moments to try to drive this point home. And basically, it's reiterated in Ephesians 2.8. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not according to works, lest any man should boast. So we don't have a boast. Abraham couldn't boast because it was just simply he believed. There was an encounter. My wife really loves reading about Abraham when he made a covenant with God. He's this... He's this uh, Chaldean, and he's out there, and he all of a sudden has this, he's coming from an idolatry background, as all his people are in idolatry, they don't know God, and he has an encounter with God, and really yields up, and the rest of his life he yields up, he's a father of our faith, and it's not based on how he performed, because he failed, he lied about Sarah at one point, he was not a perfect man, the only one that was perfect is Jesus, David wasn't perfect, but yet he was a man after God's own heart. Paul wasn't perfect, and yet he became a new creation, right? He, was, he said he was the least of all the saints and a chief of sinners, but yet he also said, I'm a new creation, right? So this is where we stand. In righteousness, you will be established. You'll be far from oppression, and you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. This is what sustained us through the pandemic. This is what sustained us through all the social divides that have been imposed. This is what sustained us through all the rhetoric and all the bait that's trying to pull us and vie for our attention and get us caught up in little tributaries and little uh, 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 pockets of thought. And this is where we got to fight and labor to make Jesus central. And the best way we could do that is understand the subject of righteousness, that this is unearned and undeserved. That's why I could tell the clerk at the store. And I think it's interesting. I'm thinking about that manager of the the clerk at the store. It's, it's like in the marketplace. We need to carry this out of these four walls. And I'm believing God for the supernatural and the miraculous in this church and outside the church and in your daily life. Right? And just to be organic and available. But you have this central and front and center in your thinking. And you have this on your lips. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And then behold how beautiful it is the feet of those who bring the gospel. Wiggle your toes and put on the gospel shoes. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation, uh, Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Do you see that? How many of you are enthralled by saving grace? How about sustaining grace? He's, he sustained you to this point. How many of you have been through a thing or two? I know some of your stories, some I don't. You do, and you know how hard it's been, and you know how long it's been, and you know how decidedly difficult it's been, and yet there's something on the inside of you sustaining, and it's God's grace. 
Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited love. Everything we see here is God's grace. When I get in self-pity, I go, God, I fought for everything. Things were tough growing up. I've had to fight. And then it's like, but then when I get in the right thinking, I go, wait a minute. God, I don't deserve anything. The only thing I deserve is going to hell. And Jesus came to save me so I didn't have to. And then it's like, I want to get grateful. And let's get grateful even right now as we get ready to receive communion. Because as long as we gather together, we need to, we need to take the cup and take the bread and remind ourselves of God's provision. This morning I got out, I got up early before the sun came up. I went outside my yard and I twisted my knee. And, uh, and I thought, all right, I'm receiving communion today because I was here all day yesterday, most of the day, and I saw the communion. I already actually stole a couple communion cups yesterday. And I took communion yesterday. But then today I thought, hallelujah, there's salvation in Jesus. There's forgiveness. You know, how many of you are glad he cleanses us of all unrighteousness? How about the initial debt of sin, that 8,000 pound gorilla God took off your back? Who can shoot your hand up and say, thank God I'm saved? Put your hand down. How many of you as Christians who have sinned since you got saved are grateful for continual cleansing? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for cleansing. And I believe for that today. I believe for those of us in here that you just feel like, man, God, help me. I want to sow to the spirit, not to the flesh. I want to overcome. This is a, this is a defining moment that reinforces the shed blood of Jesus, cancels out our debt of sin, and his, his body broken for us by his wounds, we are healed. I'll give you an update on my knee. It's getting better. I reckon three communions and Sunday morning, I'm going to be good to go. But I want you to stand up on your feet. Having done all to stand, we stand. Say this with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am now complete in Him. I can now approach the presence of God with no condemnation of sin. I'm a partaker of His divine nature. I am more than a conqueror. My name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Apart from Him, I can do nothing but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm an overcomer. I shall overcome. I'm pressing on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He cleanses me of all unrighteousness. He pours His Holy Spirit on me. I pursue love but I desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Supernatural change is coming into my life. Supernatural impact is pouring out through my life because I'm walking in faith. I'm cooperating with God, not on the basis of my performance, but by His mercy, by His grace, I have a good stride. I'm unencumbered. Demons have to go. My sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. And my body is healed. My mind is renewed. I'm alert. I'm focused. 
I'm going places. He opens a door for me that no man can shut. He surrounds me with favor as with a shield. My God is seeing me through all the tests and trials. And I'm gonna land on my feet. I'm gonna bear good fruit and I'm on the increase. Our church is blessed. Our community is blessed. Our country is stabilized and the nations are coming to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now lay hands on your heart. Receive a refreshing from the presence of God. If you're like that clerk or like the lady at the store, you've not received Jesus, ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord right now. Receive the gift of righteousness right now by believing on Him. Trust Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. Now, Father, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Even if something as simple as my twisted knee, healed in the name of Jesus. I receive healing in my body. Thank you, God. And I thank you for cleansing us of all unrighteousness. Can I hear hallelujah, hallelujah?